from American Awakening, this is Signs of Life. Hello, 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 America. Welcome to American Awakening's Sign of Life. We're here, middle of Holy Week. Special, special week for all of us. Right in the middle of the corona crisis, it takes on special significance for all of us. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. We're also going to have a special guest from Nashville, Jen Bostic. So excited to have Jen with us. And our, our good friend Dan Hazeltine will be with us as well as usual. Great to have them here. First, we're going to kick ourselves off with a little bit of worship music with our friend Josh Jacob. Josh, what do you have for us today? All our sins are stones at the bottom of your oceans, and all our guilty stains have been washed away by the I 
Thank you, Josh. Really appreciate that. It's so good to be with you all. We're going to talk a little bit about the Holy Week cycle and Monday Thursday, and uh, just talk about that cycle of, um, you know, we've talked about it before, uh, even earlier this week, about the idea of all of life is a arc from life into the path of descent into death, and then life again. That's really hard. We uniquely know how hard that is in this season. And we want to honor that today with uh, some of our time together and some of our discussion together. We want you to know we're there for you. We're, we're praying for you. We're praying for you every day. We're thinking about you every day. And now, from Gainesville, Florida, our first word, Mr. Daily Dose himself, Pastor Joel. You know, we're talking this week about spiritual disciplines, about rhythms, about things that we do in our lives that connect us to God and to one another, and alluding even to what John said about special weeks, special times. There's one part of a spiritual discipline that I want to talk briefly about today, which is solitude. A lot of the the great spiritual masters, if you will, over, over the centuries have talked about this idea of being alone. But ultimately, if we really boil it down, I think a lot of us are really terrified of being alone. And perhaps in some of the most intense ways you've ever experienced right now, you're having to be alone. And the thing about our current time is that we can mindlessly fill the gaps and the voids with whatever kind of just scrolls into view. And and that's a real temptation. There's no shortage of things to scroll into our view, right? But what if there is not the only choice of being lonely or feeling mindlessly? What if there is a way to be alone and to experience solitude that actually is good for our souls. Richard Foster in his book, Celebration of Discipline, says this, we can cultivate an inner solitude and silence that sets us free from loneliness and fear. Loneliness is inner emptiness, he says. Solitude is inner fulfillment. I want to say that again. Loneliness is inner emptiness. Solitude is inner fulfillment. And so there's this way in which we can learn to be alone with God and with ourselves that actually fills us up and gives us life as opposed to making us scared and feeling lonely. You know, Jeff Bethke here on the podcast talked about that last week, about allowing everything around us to go quiet and experiencing God's presence and letting that be enough and actually needing to get quiet for a long enough period of time to experience that. But also one little tidbit I'd like to share today is the idea of how we get quiet and where we get quiet. You know, Jesus in the Bible goes off to lonely, desolate places is what the Greek word uh, alludes to there. And his whole purpose is to get alone with God. It's not necessarily the idea of comfort, although I'm sure many of us have our comfortable chair, our spot. The point here in true silence and solitude with God, though, is an invitation to listen and to be alone with God, to hear and see God, and to believe that it's not just about simply ceasing noise and activity, but actually trying to hear God. And so as we go deeper in solitude and silence, I believe we will discover, and I have discovered in my own life, that this is just a beautiful place where we can begin to strip away who we think we are and allow God to speak to us about who he really has made us. And as we close our mouths and we quiet our minds, a lot of things begin to fall away, and we're left simply in the presence of a loving God. And that's enough. And that's my encouragement for today is learn how to be in solitude, to be alone with God, and let him be enough for you during this time. That's The Daily Dose. Back to you, John. Thanks, Joel. Lots of stripping away happening in this season for all of us, and uh, that's a good word, uh, to uh, ways to embrace it. A hard word, but a good word. 
So thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, Jeff Bethke, good to see your smiling face as yeah. always, Jeff. That's right. Good to see you guys. Um, I want to talk about today the something to chew on. I want to talk about United Flight 232. I think it was 1989. Um, and why is because that's actually one of the most famous plane crashes of all time. The topic I want to chat about is vulnerability and strength in vulnerability and why it has to do with that plane crash. You can go research it when you have more time because I won't be able to expound on it. But what's really famous about that crash uh, is there was still some casualties, but that is actually considered one of the most successful survivors and plane crashes of all time. In regards to it was seen as an impossible flight and an impossible landing. Like what actually happened? They lost hydraulics on that flight. And no commercial flight had ever landed successfully or ever had any survivors when landing without hydraulics. But yet this plane and this crash, I think over like a hundred and something survivors were able to happen. And it's seen and actually taught in flight schools now, specifically with how the pilots dealt with the crash and dealt with the, you know, 30 to 45 minutes before the crash in regards to planning the landing. A couple things stand out. What they found is crazy about this crash, but when they look at the transcript, what really stood out to a lot of researchers was the amount of vulnerability the pilots had with each other. Almost all pilots, when there's a crisis or when there's a crash about to happen, go into kind of this takeover mode, the I know what I'm doing, I'm the captain, you just be quiet or something like that. Uh, and that comes up a lot in transcripts. But when you read the, the transcript from United Flight 232, you see an immense amount of vulnerability and humility you never have seen uh, in a cockpit in this fashion in regards to the entire crew, the entire cockpit basically having that perfect tension between being vulnerable with, I need your help. I can't do this alone. We need to work together while also still having the leadership of, but I also am an expert and a professional and I know what I'm doing. And there was a crazy bonus too on that flight where there was actually a, uh, someone in the, as a passenger was actually trained on how to land this exact plane. Like he actually taught other pilots how to land this exact plane in crisis mode. And so they called him up and even him came up forward rather than taking over because he's actually more trained than anyone else. And his first thing out of his mouth on the transcript was what can I do to help? So there was this circular nature between all three pilots of humility and vulnerability. Like I need your help. We've never done this before that actually all researchers looking back say that is what landed the plane and had survivors. And what's crazy too is they simulated the crash. They let other expert pilots get in the simulator after the crash and redo the exact same problem, the exact same thing. 28 times they did this, all 28 times, no survivors. The plane just basically blew up. And the lesson, and if you go Google it, the transcript is just a beautiful dance of humility and vulnerability. And I've always thought of that crash in regards to crisis and in regards to moments. A lot of us kick into gear in crisis that isn't healthy, that isn't always the best. But that crash and the transcript of those pilots is such a beautiful example of when you actually lean into humility and vulnerability in crisis, and you allow others to come into that moment and you ask for help, it creates the circular nature of relationship, of blessing and beautifulness that actually can take you farther than you could have gone alone. Because if one of those pilots would have just said, I could do it, it probably wouldn't have had any survivors. And so that's my encouragement for you today. Go read the transcript. It's a fascinating case study um, on what that looks like to, as a team, work together, as a team, ask for help, and as a team, be vulnerable. And I think that'll be an encouragement for you today. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate that. Good so word. strong. Uh, we, we did a prayer call this morning, which was led by Pastor Joel. And uh, Pastor Joel took us down a path of, of the, the 
arc of lament mm. this season in Easter is one of uh, celebration, if you will, weird word, I know, celebration of sorrow. Um, there is there is sorrow in this season. We have to fully acknowledge the fact that that's the path that our Lord went down. Joel led us that way, humility and vulnerability. We're going to spend a little time now on the subject of, of that season of sorrow that we're in, um, which is one that we're all experiencing generally, but it's also marked in the Christian calendar so profoundly. Uh, but, you know, we were going through and we were praying for people that were standing in the, in the gap with, we, you know, we, we had the cycle of, of one of our teammates who's in the hospital having a baby today. Shout out to you, Daryl and Siobhan out there. Yeah. And then we talked about stories that were devastating, um, stories of friends in, in the ICU. Uh, Marissa shared that and, and, and friends that are in deep depression. And one of our teammates uh, shared um, about story about this 13-year-old uh, young lady um, in Colorado. But she was a young epileptic girl um, that was was on the front end of a, a nationwide movement that opened up, you know, new treatments to folks. And, and in great sadness, she passed uh, yesterday, not due to the epilepsy, the searching young lady, but due to the COVID-19. And then our, our friend um, uh, Dan was just uh, commenting a moment ago about the loss of a hero of one of his boys, uh, John Prine in Nashville. We'll get back to that in a minute. So... The whole thing is hard, right? It's hard. We're feeling it. But that's the hard our Lord faced, um, too. And Joel, can you frame up the uh, the Monday Thursday experience for us? Yeah, for sure. And so for those who maybe are not familiar with that phrase, Monday Thursday, it's a uh, part of the liturgical or church calendar. And it points us to the idea of the Last Supper and the idea of just before Jesus was to go be crucified, he wanted to share in the Passover meal with his disciples. And and so as we think about it today, you know, as we frame even this conversation, John and friends, I think there's a sense in which one of the most uh, agonizing and yet also beautiful parts of the story of Holy Week is this idea of Jesus being with his disciples, with his friends on the night that he would, number one, be betrayed by one of them, but as he washes their feet and just has this intimate time of closeness with them, of course there's sadness, there's confusion, there's misunderstanding. Some of them have no idea. Most of them basically have no idea what's really going on. But Jesus is there knowing he's going to face his death, and he says, let's share a meal together. Uh, let me wash your feet. Let me serve you. And it's that uh, that final time before he's going to go to the cross uh, that he spends with his disciples. So just a little framing for what it is that we're celebrating or, or in a strange way, as John said, uh, sharing in and remembering uh, that part of this Holy Week. Well, then the next step was, of course, and just to finish the, the arc of it so we can all get the whole framework, he goes off to the garden with his friends. And uh, yeah. perhaps one of the most painful stories in, in the entire Bible, at least for me, uh, where he's there with his friends in the darkest hour of all of human history, perhaps, where he's going to have to walk down to the path of death and into prevail upon the gates of hell. And he says, hey, friends, stay up with me. I'm lonely here, right? And and his friends fall asleep. And then he says, hey, guys, you fell asleep on me. They, they fall asleep again. And, and and just thinking about that that path, that walk, I mean, it's a walk that I'm sure many of you are feeling right now in, in some form or fashion. The walk of, God, I really don't want to, go down this path. I wish there were an easier path. Can you take me there? 
So that's the, the, the moment that I wanted to enter into this with my friends here on the uh, line and see if that strikes up anything for you. I'll kick it over to you, Dan. Um, you know, you, you were really saying some uh, really touching things about, uh, about John a few minutes ago. It feels a little bit like there's there's been kind of this this blanket that has just been laid on top of the entire city. Uh, we all found out that uh, just the, the the great wonderful singer songwriter John Prine passed away uh, due to COVID nineteen, and we um, we've all been praying for him and his family, Fiona, his wife, and and just wanting a, an outcome that that kept John with us for a little bit longer. And uh, for me, it was sad. My son came into the room last night and. He had first, he'd heard about it first and said, he just looked up at me and he said, dad, guess what? John, John Prine died. And John was, uh, was one of my son's heroes, is one of my son's heroes as a songwriter, just as a guy who knew how to capture the human spirit in song. It was just really tough. It was, a it was a hard kind of, um, just reality that we're, we're all living into right now. And we know that that morning will look a little bit different as, you know, we're not necessarily connected to John Prime's family, but we're connected to his words, his work, his art, his expressions of the way he saw the world and the way he tried to make sense of things that resonated with us. You know, I can only imagine that there are, you know, I think about the, uh, the disciples and the disillusionment that took place around you know, they really bought into this idea of who Jesus was or who they thought Jesus was. And the story kind of gets flipped upside down on everyone. And then everybody has to kind of reel and, and find their footing again. I feel like Nashville is doing that right now. So maybe a fitting time for Monday, Thursday uh, conversation. Joel, any observations from you, friend? Yeah, I think the heart of the witness to go back to that of Jesus, the fact that he came near to us is, um, you know, set aside kind of the whole church, Christianity, all that stuff for just a minute and just let that be enough to chew on that we are created and somehow mysteriously together in this thing. And maybe you can be with somebody today, just like Jesus. He just wanted to be with his disciples. That, that always strikes me about the Last Supper. I mean, he could have done a whole lot of things, but he shared a meal with them. So again, we're with you. If you're out there and you're feeling alone, uh, yes, God is with you, but maybe this is the only voice you're hearing that says, like, we're actually standing with you. We prayed for you today. If you want to comment or send us a note, we will pray for you. And you are not alone out there. And we serve a God who's with us. And I think that is the message of Monday Thursday, that uh, he loves us, he serves us, he makes a way for us, and he's with us. And that's that's uh, powerful. Yeah, completely agree with that. Marissa or, or Jeff, do you want to say anything? What's always been interesting to me about uh, that story and Jesus in the garden praying and uh, his closest friends who, you know, it's like, can't you just pray with me? I'm just asking you to pray with me. And, you know, he's carrying the weight of, uh, of what he came to do, the purposefulness, the, the intentionality that he had, knowing that he had to go through, you know, the, one of the most painful things possible to any human being um, and just sort of carrying that and sitting in that and all you want is just the people close to you to understand maybe just like a little of it and kind of be with you in what might seem to be like the least, I don't know, the thing that, that demands the least out of them. And I just sort of, 
I think about his posture and I think about um, people in our own lives. And there are so many times, you know, when we're going through things and things are very important to us, we're carrying deep weights and it, it might feel like the people around us just are not, are not who we need them to be. You know, Jesus could have done that thing <laughs> since he was very human at that time. He could have done that thing and just been like, you know what, F- forget y'all. Like I'm, I'm going on y'all, you know, no good. Y'all can't even do that. But his posture of like loving his friends, loving us, understanding that we can only be where we're at um, and still sort of staying close, still like giving chances to show up, even in that dark time. Um, I don't know. I just feel like there's got to be something in that for us. Like, Lord, show us that uh, even in some of our darkest moments when people can't really understand everything, that we're feeling um, when people can't be with us maybe in the way that we want them to uh, remind us that, uh, that you're always with us, that people are still there to be loved and cared for. Um, and we're all sort of where we're at. We can always be trying for more, but you can love people right where they're at, even if they're not doing what you really wish they would do or be with you in, in a way that you really wish they would be. That's good. I would just love being ministered by you guys and hearing you guys just drop those encouragements. I, I would just drill down even a little farther on what Joel just mentioned briefly at the end of uh, there's so much richness at that last meal that I don't think we unpack enough. You know, I'm always so encouraged by the fact that, you know, it's also slightly weird, right? Like Jesus, he was very particular and strategic with these guys uh, knowing that they had to go on and continue the mission. They were kind of commissioned to have a mission. Um, and he's got one last night with them you know, be kind of before everything changes. He's got one last night to kind of train them, you know, strategically. And he and what's fascinating to me is he doesn't get out the whiteboard. You know, they didn't have whiteboards back then, you know, but he didn't get out the like, let's talk theory, let's talk propitiation, let's talk all these things that theologically are important, but he doesn't do that. He doesn't center the moment there. He centers the moment on a meal to teach them about the biggest event in human history that was about to take place the next day to infuse it in their bodies and in their minds and in their spirits. He gets out bread and he gets out wine. He gives them a meal. And I just think that's the encouragement I see from there is, you know, a lot of us, a lot of us give a lot of theories. A lot of, not many of us give a lot of meals that he, again, like what I talked about a couple of days ago, he sits at the table with them. There's a deep relational aspect to that, that I think this moment in our culture is calling for that we would sit at people's tables metaphorically, if we have to, you know, right now with the shutdown and then physically, you know, the minute we're out to go outside of our door again and not give a bunch of theories all the time, because here's the truth. I don't think those are mutually exclusive either, by the way. I think the meal is a theory. I think that's what we always forget too. I think sometimes we can conflate the two and realize, no, man, how beautiful is it that Jesus was trying to teach something there? He wasn't trying to just be a hippie, like, let's just have a dinner, you know? He actually said, I, I actually want to teach you, the best way to teach you, the best way to teach you and to commission you out the next day when I go on the cross is this moment where we eat something. It's embodied, it's flesh, it's incarnational. And I just think that's what we need right now for sure. That's good. I think a practical thing that our uh, listeners and viewers could do is uh, share in, in that meal together with whoever you're with uh, in your home. You know, break that bread, drink that wine. If you can bring in others digitally, do it. I mean, it's just such a rich tradition, and uh, that'd be a practical way to put that into play today. Amen. All right, I'm going to hand it off to Dan to bring us home. Well, music is always a great way to, to kind of express 
the way the world is and the way the world could be. Um, we have a great special guest with us today. Jen Bostick is here. And Jen is, uh, you know, I can read a few things about her. She's an uh, incredible artist, songwriter, really got her start writing and performing a lot of country music, gospel music, kind of in that space, uh, pop music. And she is just kind of over the years done what a good artist should do what a good songwriter does which is just see the world tell the truth um describe it as it is and so um she's found herself uh working a lot more in the uh the, the gospel and, and christian music world she had a, a really popular song uh called jealous of the angels that was about her late father that that really connected with a lot of people and i felt like well, it really makes sense that she's on our show with us today, just as we were talking about Monday, Thursday, the idea of grieving and mourning, the idea of loss. But it's great to have her on the show. She's uh, She's got a new uh, song that's just that's going to release tomorrow. So we get to help her and say, hey, go out and check it out. Um, go find it on all the uh, various streaming services where you can. But uh, I just want to introduce and welcome Jen Bostick to the show. How are you, Jen? Good. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So you're here in Nashville also. Yes. How are you holding up? I am doing all right. Uh, it's learning all things online right now. But at the beginning of the travel ban announcements, I was actually on a tour in Europe. And so I am very grateful that I made it home and I am with my husband in Nashville now. So I do have a lot to be thankful for. And I found a lot of peace once I got home. But man, there was some some spiritual warfare happening to get me home for sure. Well, we're uh, we're so glad to have you with us. Uh, we'd love to hear you play some music for us today and for all the good people that are watching and listening on the podcast. Uh, do you have some songs for us today? I do, yes. The conversation has been beautiful. Thank you guys so much for what you're doing and just the encouragement you're bringing. This uh, idea has just been kind of an image that has kept coming to me and giving me peace through this time of the idea of being a child of God and him really being our father and us being wrapped in his arms. And I feel like that's giving me so much peace. And I know it was being spoken about earlier, kind of that, that feeling of maybe the people in our lives, you know, here on earth are not there for us in the ways that we maybe thought in the same way with, you know, at the last supper, but God is always faithful and he's always right there. And I feel like just that idea of being scooped in his arms is kind of getting me through right now. And it's uh, the new single that comes out, yeah, on Good Friday is called Wrapped. And uh, I'm going to share it with you now. I am saved. I am loved. I am wrapped in the arms of God. I don't mind waiting. His kingdom come. I am wrapped in the arms of love Here in the waiting, Father My heart is aching for your voice Speak to me I bow before you, Father Here in the midst of all this noise I receive not alone you hear me crying i am not alone i am not alone i am saved 
So, Jen, how has this season been for you? Uh, you know, I, we were talking earlier and I was mentioning how a lot of people have this this sense that because everything has sort of come to a grinding halt, that now the artist community can spend their time just writing songs and being as prolific as possible. So I have to ask, has that been your experience so far? Sure. No yeah. pressure, right? Right. <laughs> just, just write the best songs I've ever written right now. Um, <laughs> right. No, it, it's so interesting. I mean, I think this time to to sit and reflect spiritually has been amazing, but there's also, I mean, learning how to do all of this, like, you know, trying to figure out, okay, if everything's going online and I believe God gave me these gifts to share and to comfort and to help people, then I got to figure out how to be online and do all these things. And so it's just, it's been really interesting just trying to get creative in connecting in different ways with, with people, whether, you know, to just create community through music, through life, whatever it might be, has just been kind of the main forefront of what I'm trying to do. And yes, I have been writing a little bit, but I've really just been trying to, trying to figure all this out and perform when I can and just share, share these gifts. Well, it's a hard thing to do. I think everybody's trying to get their footing and figure it all out. I was never really one of those guys that was great at at doing, uh, I know there's a lot of songwriters out there that can, 
they write online. They do these Google Hangouts or Zoom conference calls with other writers, and they write songs together that way. I haven't really done a whole lot of that, and it felt like that would be a little bit difficult. So I don't know if you've been able to ever do much of that. Um, seems like you tour in Europe a fair amount. Uh, as I was looking through stuff, you, you were the International Touring Artist of the Year from British country music for both 2017 and 2018. So I imagine being kind of so out in the world and touring a lot means you, you kind of have to learn to write when you're in different places and remotely, correct? Yes, I have done my fair share of trying to write via Skype or just sending lyrical ideas back and forth, voice memos and things. But I, my favorite is still to just sit down at a piano with some other people and, you know, write a song yeah. together or by myself. And I, I think that's, even though I am touring in Europe quite a bit, I kind of try to compartmentalize, you know, like writing season. So, yeah, well, we, uh, we wish you the best in that. Do you have another song for us? Would you be willing to play another song? I do have another song. And I know you were talking about John Prine earlier, and we kind of talked about yeah. this briefly backstage. I do know a John Prine song, so I'd oh, love to honor him that way. Please do. We'd love to hear that. Since I 
person Go to work in the morning And come home in the evening And have nothing to say I say, make me an angel Thanks so much for having that me. That was a treat. Yeah. What a treat. That was fantastic. That was extraordinary, Jen. Unbelievable. I just want to say thank you all for being with us. We look forward to having you back tomorrow. Jen Bostic, thank you so much. And uh, God bless you all. Keep fighting the good fight until tomorrow now. Signs of Life is produced by American Awakening, a campaign for the soul of America committed to slaying the giant of death and despair in this American moment. Signs of Life is made up of Jefferson Bethke, Dan Hazeltine, Josh Jacob, John Kingston, Joel Searby, Calvin Lee, Christian Palacios, Marina Pappas, Andy Peterson, and me, Marissa Prince. The show is produced from our headquarters in Lexington, Massachusetts, and you can learn a whole lot more about the movement by visiting our website, AmericanAwakening.us. Relevant Podcast Network.